have a question that may require a little of your imagination. Uh, let's say a business calls you to take a long plane trip, eight hours plus, and you land in a distant city and you are jet lagged and you're hungry. And so you leave your hotel at like 3 a.m. in the morning uh, looking for some, some food. And the only place that's open for a bite to eat is this grungy diner. You go into this diner, you sit at the counter, and a guy named Harry behind the counter serves you some fried eggs and some coffee. And while you're having uh, these uh, eggs and uh, coffee uh, alone in this diner, suddenly in comes a group of eight or nine prostitutes, and they are smoking and swearing and laughing about their night on the street. And then these ladies start to sit around you at the counter on stools nearby. That's the situation. Here's the question. How would you respond? I mean, how would you respond internally? Uh, what kind of attitudes or thoughts would be coming up in you? What would you do? And it's not a, not a hypothetical question. This actually happened to a well-known Bible teacher and speaker named Tony. Tony's having his eggs and coffee there, and uh, these ladies start to sit on stools nearby him. And on one uh, stool nearby, he hears a, a woman say, well, tomorrow's my birthday. And another lady says, uh, oh, come on, Agnes, what do you want, a birthday party? Forget about that. And Agnes says, uh, no, I haven't had a birthday party in my entire life. And uh, Tony hears this, and he gets an idea. And so he just stays there uh, sipping his coffee until all the uh, ladies exit, and it's just him and Harry again. And he says to Harry, uh, do these women come in here at 3 o'clock in the morning every morning? And Harry says, yeah, 3.30 on the dot every morning. Why do you ask? And Tony says, well, because Agnes says that she's never had a birthday be before. How about we throw her a surprise birthday party right here in the diner? And Harry says, yeah, I like it. And so this Bible teacher, 2.30 in the morning, the next morning, he's there in this grungy diner with streamers and a cardboard sign and a birthday cake that says, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And sure enough, at 3.30, the door swings open, and when Agnes sees the cardboard sign with her name on it, she falls to her knees and begins just weeping, flowing tears of joy. And everybody starts singing, happy birthday, Agnes, and uh, she blows the candles out on the cake. And when Harry comes to try to cut the cake, uh, Agnes says, wait, 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 can I save this? Can I, can I take this cake home? And everybody says, sure, it's your birthday. You can do whatever you want. They didn't know that she meant right then. And sure enough, she uh, said, I'll be right back. And she takes the cake and heads out the door to take the cake home. And in that awkward silence after Agnes leaves, everybody turns to Tony. And Tony says, uh, uh, why don't we pray? And so uh, Tony prays in this grungy diner full of prostitutes. And he prays for God's blessing and salvation over Agnes and her friends. And when he says amen, Harry says, Tony, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. What kind of church are you from? And Tony says, well, I'm from a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. in the morning. And uh, Harry says, there's no church like that. And Tony says, yes, there is a church like that. It was started by a man who loves parties, loves prostitutes, 
and loves you so much that he died on the cross for you. Harry, let's talk about Jesus. So that's what Tony did. But the opening question was, what would you have done? I mean, how would you have reacted? Would you have uh, reacted with uh, a desire to kind of cringe and shrink inside yourself or look for a quick getaway? Or would you be angry or disgusted or judgmental? Or would you look for an opportunity to express love in this situation? Uh, For the past eight weeks, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the greatest thing, love. And the love that we've been talking about is not this abstract concept. It's not these lovey-dovey feelings for the ambiguous world. No, we've been talking about God's love as described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where God's love is this high-test love that is patient, uh, that is compassionate enough to be kind, and that is active enough to get off the counter stool and actually get involved. It's this love of Jesus that is humble and not judgmental. It's this agape love, God's love, that is forgiving and unselfish and others-focused and sacrificial and is best seen when God comes in the person of Jesus to die on the cross for us. And as we stop uh, this series today, uh, we end talking about love. And the question that's hanging in the air is, are you ready to stop just talking about love? And are you ready to start really overflowing with the love of Jesus into your relationships? That's the question that's hanging in the air. And it's actually the question that's hanging between the words of of Paul's closing comments in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, Words that go like this. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So let's uh, study these closing words of the Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, Closing words where Paul starts with this amazing declaration and he ends with an amazing declaration. Um, The the words uh, of the declaration at the beginning are that love never fails. And the declaration at the end is that love is the greatest thing. And then in between these two great declarations, Paul gives three reasons why I should devote my life to growing in this love that never fails and that is the greatest thing. And the three reasons that Paul gives that for me to devote my life to this kind of love are that love endures, love matures, and that love assures. Uh, let's start with this uh, first reason that I should devote my life to this kind of love, and that is that love endures. Uh, As Paul says, uh, 
prophecies will cease. Uh, tongues will be stilled. Knowledge will pass away. Uh, so you notice that uh, Paul is coming back to the idea of spiritual gifts here at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, just like he began the chapter talking about spiritual gifts. Uh, at the beginning of the chapter, he said that uh, I, if I have the gift of prophecy, which is communicating God's word, but I don't have love, it's worthless. Uh, or if I have the gift of tongues or the gift of knowledge and don't have love, it's worthless. Uh, and so then he comes back to these uh, spiritual gifts at the end of chapter 13 and says, oh, uh, by the way, even if I exercise these spiritual gifts with love, the gifts pass away. Only the love that motivates these gifts lasts for eternity. Only the love endures. And it's because, uh, you know, on earth we need spiritual gifts because this is how we uh, are, are the body of Christ to each other. But when we get to heaven, we don't need spiritual gifts to be Jesus to each other because we will be with Jesus in heaven. See, only love endures. Uh, only my love survives my transfer from this world to the next. Only my love survives this transfer from this world to the next. Now, I don't know if... Uh, Tony will see Agnes in heaven because of his act of love. But what I do know is that in eternity, the only thing that counts is the kind of love that Tony showed. Uh, what I do know is that uh, when I get to heaven, the only thing that survives when I see Jesus in heaven is the way I've loved like Jesus here on earth. And that should be reason enough for me to devote my life to this kind of love and growing in this kind of love. But Paul gives another reason, and that is that love matures. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And in these words about going from childhood to manhood, Paul is talking about spiritual maturity, and he's saying that love is the heart. Love is the center of what it means to grow spiritually. In short, uh, Paul is saying that growing in Jesus is growing in the love of Jesus, period. <laughs> growing in Jesus is growing in the love of Jesus, period, which is an emphasis that we need to hear because there's a lot of confusion about what it means to be spiritually mature. Now, anybody who knows me knows that I am all about uh, studying the Bible and growing in Bible knowledge. But listen to me. I mean, Bible knowledge is not the same thing as spiritual maturity. And the Pharisees proved this. I mean, uh, Pharisees were these people that Jesus had a really hard time with because they had maximum Bible knowledge, but they had minimum spiritual maturity as demonstrated in their complete lack of love for people, especially people like Agnes. Uh, knowing the Bible is not spiritual maturity. Serving in the church is not spiritual maturity. Uh, exercising spiritual gifts in amazing ways is not spiritual maturity. Even being a follower of Jesus for a long time is not spiritual maturity. I mean, you can be following Jesus for 70 years and still be a spiritual infant because you have not devoted yourself to what matters most, love. Growing in Jesus is growing in the love of Jesus, period. 
So uh, love endures, love matures, and the third reason that I should devote my life to growing in love is that love assures. Paul says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So Paul refers to a face here. Whose face is Paul talking about? Whose face is, is Paul longing to see? Well, as we said before, uh, the word that uh, Paul uses in Greek for love is the word agape, which Paul uses and all the New Testament writer uses only as the love of God that is seen most dramatically and seen best most through God coming personally in the person of Jesus to die on the cross for Paul, for me, for you. And so Paul devotes himself to growing in this kind of love, growing to, re, uh, to reflect the love of Jesus more so that he can see Jesus in the mirror reflecting him and how he's growing in this love of Jesus. And the more that Paul sees the reflection of Jesus in the mirror, the more he is assured that he will one day face-to-face, see the one who died for him. I guess you could say that uh, uh, the more I reflect his love, the more I see Jesus in me. And this is the third and best reason for growing in um, and devoting myself to growing in this kind of love. There's no greater assurance that I will see one day Jesus face-to-face than looking in the mirror and seeing more of Jesus' love reflected in me today than, it, than, it, than yesterday. I mean, the greatest assurance I have is looking in the mirror and seeing more and more of Jesus reflected in me. And the more and more I see Jesus reflected in me, the more and more assurance I have that I will see him face to face. So what do you see? when you look in the mirror. Uh, Do you see that today you reflect the love of Jesus more than you did 10 years ago? If not, it's time. It's time to stop talking about love and it's time to start really receiving this love of Jesus and overflowing with it in your relationships. Uh, As we come to the end of this uh, uh, talking about the greatest thing, talking about love, the big question is, will you decide to stop talking about love and really reflect this amazing, this greatest thing, this greatest thing, the love of God? So love endures, love matures, love assures. Love is the greatest thing. And so Let's go to a, a time of uh, discussion and application, but uh, let's, let's, let's not just talk. Let's actually get to some practical commitments that we can make so that we can go beyond just talking about this love to actually really overflowing with this love in our relationships, in the grimy diners of life. Let's, uh, let's talk about this love, but go beyond just talk to actually grow and keep growing in 
the greatest thing. Hi, I'm here with our pastor of spiritual development, uh, Pastor Dan McCandless. And Dan, we've come to the end of our study on the greatest thing in 1 Corinthians 13. And we've uh, come to this place where uh, in the closing words of the chapter, Paul is talking about three reasons uh, why I should devote my life to growing in love, that love endures, love matures, and love assures. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let's try to uh, apply this, uh, this message together okay. uh, by uh, a couple of questions. And the, uh, the first question kind of brings us back to the uh, diner scene. Yeah. And so... Uh, and what we would do if we were Tony in that uh, grimy diner and Agnes and her friends yeah. uh, barge in. And, yeah. the, and the question is, uh, when you think about Tony in the diner, what are the reasons we hold back from showing Jesus' kind of love to people? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I can think of three reasons why I hold back, right? So <laughs> yeah. first one is, uh, I don't want to ever step out and people have people think I'm weird, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so even even in that scene, I think to kind of, step in when you're, you're not one of that crowd, it might be perceived as weird. And that mm-hmm. would cause me to kind of, out of self-consciousness, yeah. probably just, you know, stay back, yeah. right? And not step in. Um, another reason, also born out of probably insecurity, is, uh, you know, um, I would probably ascertain like, oh, well, they're not interested anyway, right? right? Yeah. I, would, I would project like, oh, they wouldn't be interested. So for me to step in, I don't want to be presumptuous, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to kind of no- put my nose in where it's not welcome. And I would kind of, you know, excuse myself, right? Rationalize not getting involved because um, I wouldn't want to step in where, you know, I'm not welcome. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I think there's one more too. I, I think um, in a scene like that, I, I'm not sure it fits my picture of like, you know, when you demonstrate <laughs> God's love. And right. so since it doesn't fit my picture or my expectations, I, I, I probably wouldn't like, you know, be drawn mm. to do it because it's just, it's out of my comfort zone, right? Yeah, it's, right. it's kind of too awkward. And uh, I just don't, I don't see it or how, how I would step in and actually demonstrate God's love in that kind of situation. Well, that, that's exactly what is my biggest obstacle. Yeah. And that is that I don't show love in grungy diners because I don't expect to have opportunities yeah. to show love in grimy diners. Yeah. And so the problem is my expectancy. And the, the problem is that, you know, I'll never be part of miracle surprise parties yeah. if I don't expect God to surprise me with opportunities. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the big problems is that 1 Corinthians 13, the wording is so beautiful. Uh, yeah. It's so beautiful that I forget that the love that it's describing is actually this gritty love yeah. that is as gritty as the cross and yeah. as hard as the nails Jesus took for us. Yeah. And so, you know, we think of this, this beautiful wording uh, that's, you know, read at weddings and uh, embroidered into <laughs> yeah, throw that's pillows. Where it belongs, yeah. yeah, right. And, uh, uh, and so instead, I'm not expecting to show this kind of beautiful love in a yeah. grimy setting. But the truth is, these words are a battle plan. They're yeah. a battle plan for uh, getting over my selfishness and opening my eyes to surprise opportunities that God has to show this kind of surprising love. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'll have that opportunity to show that love if I'm devoted to it, which gets to uh, our next question, which is uh, uh, Paul ends 1 Corinthians 13 with these three reasons why I should devote myself to love. Love endures, love matures, love assures. Which of these reasons most inspires you? 
Yeah. I, I think love matures. Yeah. Uh, because it, it speaks of growth. It speaks right. of, right, this love is a process. That, that takes some uh, uh, of the weight off me thinking, well, I don't have the complete package, mm-hmm. right? I don't demonstrate it well. I'm not full of God's love all the time. And so I would shy away. But the love matures mm-hmm. kind of speaks to, you know, you grow in this. You grow in love, in, in, yeah. in both receiving it and then maybe dispensing it. And so it kind of inspires me to say, okay, I might not be where I need to be, mm. but I can grow in my ability to kind of demonstrate and communicate, you know, Christ-like love to people. And so the, the love matures is the one that kind of like inspires me or gives me hope, you know, yeah, right. that, that even though I'm not there yet, yeah. right, there's, it's this process of moving towards it. Yeah. And you know, I think of, um, I think of when the apostle Paul spoke to his young protege, Timothy, right. and in first Timothy four, uh, there's this great verse at the end of the chapter where uh, Paul is kind of encouraging Timothy, hey, I want you know, you're gifted. Like, so hone your gift, build your gift, mm-hmm. grow and develop your gift, right? Give yourself fully to it mm-hmm. because over time it says um, people will see your progress. Yeah, right. And the idea of people seeing your progress might be the p- most powerful witness, right, of, of God's love at work in your life. Right. It just, it, it inspires me and gives me hope that, Again, uh, we mature in both receiving this love and in communicating this love. Yeah, we're walking with Jesus, and he's teaching us along the way how to grow in this love that we don't have, only he has. And so we have to be patient in that that process. I think uh, for me, it's the idea of love endures. And this idea that uh, uh, only my love transfers from this world to the next world. Mm -hmm. And that, which to me, among other things, says that uh, Jesus is saying to me, Love is my one job. Love, yeah. Loving people is my one job here on earth, yeah. that it's not like I do this in my free time. This is my one job. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a friend uh, who uh, told me about a, uh, a scuba diving trip he took uh, to Mexico to kind of scuba dive through these uh, coral caves. And, of course, he went with a friend because, you know, scuba safety, you have to have a buddy. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, they're, they're scuba diving through these uh, coral caves, very narrow caves, tragedy struck. He gets stuck. With, oh there's the panic of being stuck, but then he sees, in worse panic, he sees his buddy swimming away uh, ahead of him. And he actually, this buddy goes out of the water, up on the boat, out of his wetsuit, having a uh-huh. cold drink. <laughs> Meanwhile, my friend is trapped in this Ooh. coral cave. He uh, sees his oxygen level going down. His hands are bleeding because he's beating against this coral, trying to get free. And, uh, well, eventually he's, uh, you know, a a tidal current comes. He's actually released. He gets back up on the boat with just a little air to spare. And uh, he sees this guy having a cold drink on the boat. And he says, I will never, never scuba dive with you again because you had one job. And that one job was to be my buddy and not leave me behind. Yeah. And uh, I think the, the, what inspires me the most is the idea that uh, getting back to the boat of heaven and having Jesus say, you missed your one job. Oof. Your one job is to love people, to be a buddy one person at a time. Yeah. And uh, I think that motivates me the most. And which leads to the, the next uh, question, which uh, has to do with... Uh, actually growing, you know, and so mm-hmm. uh, what are the practical steps that we can take, take to stop just talking about love and actually overflow with Jesus' love in our relationships? And if you don't mind, I'll, <clears throat> I'll go in right with my, uh, yeah. my practical step is that 
I hear God calling me to uh, just get in the habit of ending each day with a review uh, and saying, Jesus, uh, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, Jesus, I want to look more like you tomorrow mm-hmm. than I did today. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what did I miss today? You know, how could I have shown more love? How could I have been part of more surprise parties of showing your love? Yeah. And, uh, you know, with this good Samaritan in mind, Jesus, what were the people that I passed along on my side of the road and didn't show love to so that I can look more like you, Jesus, tomorrow? That's so good. That's, that's good. my uh, practical step. So, uh, so if I was going to give a practical step, it would be as simple as, you know, you got to take a risk, yeah. right? It's one right. thing to know about this. It's another thing to take the risk and actually demonstrate it, right? So you have to risk looking weird. Yeah. You have to risk uh, stepping in where maybe people are disinterested or you just feel awkward. You're out mm-hmm. of your comfort zone, right? So I think the biggest practical step is you, you take that risk and you, you pray that God shows up, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, in counter to your kind of debrief at the end of the day, um, I think what I do, and I think it's, it's just simple and practical, is maybe start the day yeah. with a simple prayer, right? right? And it's a prayer of like, God, you know, use me today. You know, show me uh, where I can demonstrate your goodness and your grace, right? Mm-hmm. And demonstrate your love to somebody. In fact, someone once said the most dangerous prayer you can pray is two words. And it's just telling God, use me. Use me. Use yeah, me. Right. You, you ask God to use you. You know what? He's going to show you ways where you can step in and show his love. Uh, sometimes in the most awkward, right. yeah. you know, uh, uh, non-expectant situations. Right. Right. That's you know? a prayer he'll always answer. He will. Yeah. He will. So I love it. Uh, you're going to pray in the, at the beginning. Front I'm going to pray at the end. Let's, let's, we got let's, covered. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. So, uh, Dan, we've come to the end of our study in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, I know uh, what's happening next, and that is you're going to be uh, bringing God's word to us the next couple of weeks. Tell us how it's going to unfold from where we are sure. right now. So, so uh, in follow-up to your series, an eight-week series on the greatest thing, yeah. um, I'm just going to give not quite equal time, but I, I want to, in that last verse of yeah. 1 Corinthians 13, right, uh, Paul cites that, um, you know, uh, uh, there's three things that actually remain, right, mm-hmm. or that last, and it's faith, hope, and love, love right. being the greatest. Well, I'm just going to give a little more time to faith and hope over the next couple of weeks, and just uh, how, how both are essential, mm. as is love, right. uh, to anybody who wants to walk the walk of, of Jesus and, and follow him. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And we're going to be uh, emphasizing the idea that we're going to live stream together. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so people who are watching this video, right, right. Um, they can continue to watch in their home. Right? We're going to record services still. But we are going to open up the church so that in the worship center, you can live stream together. And right. we found through Backyard Church, just the, the, uh, the, the experience, the community experience of right. even just watching a, uh, you know, televised or a recorded service together, it adds right. something Powerful. to it, right? Yeah, right? So if, if you can, right, they can, people can come and kind of live stream together and kind of get that added kind of encouragement mm. from being around other people who are trying to grow like they are in Christ-like love. Terrific. Yeah. Well, I'm sure looking forward to this, Dan. And, uh, uh, thank you for helping with our application sure here. Yeah. And uh, let's close in prayer. Yeah. Oh, God, thank you for being the author. Thank you for being the inventor of the greatest thing, love. And now, Lord, we pray that you would help us to go beyond just talking about love and actually overflowing with your love in our relationships.
And we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.